Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. I prophesy over these people, hear the word of the Lord. I prophesy over these people, hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I prophesy over these people, hear the word of the Lord. I'm not talking about my sermon. I'm talking about the voice of God coming from heaven to right where they're at, hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I prophesy to the breath of heaven, come and breathe on that word. Hallelujah. And cause your people to come to life as an army. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father, for it. Amen. So let me just uh, talk to you. You can turn to these scriptures if you want to. You can look at them afterwards. But anyways, I want to talk to you, first of all, out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're talking about the widow of Zarephath. Uh, so the story is this. Elijah had prophesied the word of the Lord, uh, which had now brought uh, that whole uh, region under severe famine. In fact, years without rain. And during the first part of the famine... Uh, which Elijah had prophesied by the word of the Lord. Elijah has had to live by a brook, and he's been fed by ravens. But the brook dried up. And God told Elijah that he had commanded a widow in Zarephath, that's up in the Lebanon area, to now assume the responsibility for feeding him. The Lord said that to him. I have commanded a widow to feed you. He just forgot to tell the widow. And God failed to inform Elijah that in the face of the famine, this widow only had a little jar and in it a little flour and with it a few last drops of oil. And when he found her, she would be gathering a little pile of sticks to build a fire to cook a little cake that would be the last meal she and her sons would eat before dying of hunger. But God had commanded her to feed him. Isn't that great? So when Elijah saw her, he first asked her for water, which was very precious because there had not been rain. Yet she went to bring him a glass of water. But on her way, he asked her that she would also bring him a little cake. The widow informed Elijah that her situation was very desperate, and she explained the details that She only had a little flour, a few drops of oil. She was gathering sticks to make a fire, to bake a cake, so that she and her son could eat it and die. In 1 Kings 17, verse 13, Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I have said. But first, make me a little cake and bring it to me, and then afterwards, make something for yourself. And make something for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now understand, the widow still only had a small jar of flour. She only had still a few drops of oil. She was still carrying the sticks to build a fire 
to bake the last cake to eat. Nothing had changed except she had heard the word of the Lord. Up until that moment, her future was captive to her lack. But now, she had the word of the Lord and the opportunity to turn that little flower that she had in her house into an act of faith. In that moment, her destiny would be decided. Not by how little she had, but by whether or not she had heard the word of the Lord and would respond in faith with the little she had. Second Kings chapter 4, we have the prophet's widow. This widow had lost her husband. She was now a single mother. Her husband had served in the prophetic community under Elijah's oversight, but he had left her with her sons and a huge debt that she had no means of repaying. All that she had in her home was one jar of oil. So she sought out Elijah the prophet, not Elijah, Elijah, who said to her, 2 Kings 4 verse 3, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not just a few. Then go in, shut the door behind yourself, you and your sons, and pour into all these vessels. When one is full, set it aside. Now understand, the widow still only had in her house one small jar of oil, which a moment before was pitifully inadequate in the face of the enormous debt that her husband had left her saddled with. Nothing had changed, except she had heard the word of the Lord. Her sons went out and gathered every jar that they could from the village that she lived in. She went into her house. They shut the door. She still only had one small jar of oil and a whole lot of empty neighbor's jars and a huge debt over her head. Nothing more. But now she had the word of the Lord and with the word of the Lord the opportunity to turn that little jar of oil that she had in her house into an act of faith. In that moment, her destiny would be decided not by how little she had in her house, but by an act of faith using what she did have. In the Gospels, we are told a similar story a number of different times. Matthew 15, Mark 8. You can read how a crowd had traveled quite a distance and they had been held by the teaching that they had heard from Jesus and the healing that they had witnessed. Three days had passed and they had eaten 
all the food that they had brought with them. They were hungry, and the journey home was long. Jesus was unwilling to send them away hungry. So he presented the situation to his disciples. He was, by the way, a teacher. The size of the crowd at this time, Matthew 15, Mark 8, was 4,000, along with women and children. The disciples were captivated by the size of the need, the cost, the amount that it would take, and the lack of possibility that they had to meet that need. Jesus asked them, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Say it to yourself. What do I have? All they had was seven loaves and a few fish. Jesus then proceeded to show them how to take what they had and by an act of faith do what they had moments earlier perceived as impossible. Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6. You can read how a crowd of people were coming to Jesus. This time they were on their way to hear him. And Jesus knew what he was about to do. And Jesus wanted to test his disciples, see how good a learner they were. This time there were 5,000 men along with women and children. Jesus, first of all, asked Philip, where can we buy bread to feed this crowd? Which immediately caused Philip to begin to struggle with how much it would cost to feed each one even a little. Little. He's thinking little. But how much? Not thinking too generous here. Just how much would it cost to feed them a little? Andrew, Peter's brother, offered the fact that there was a boy who was willing to share his lunch. Five loaves, two small fish. But what good would this small lunch be, he said, towards feeding such a huge crowd? He was captivated by how small his resources were in the face of how large the need was. So Matthew 14 adds that Jesus said, bring them to me. Bring them to me. First question, what do you have? Second question, have you heard the word of the Lord? Have you been seeking the word of the Lord? Or have you been simply captivated by smallness and lack? What do you have? Have you heard the word of the Lord? Are you running around trying to figure out where to gather your sticks to make your last stand with what it is that you have just to survive? Or maybe not. Or have you sought the word of the Lord? Have you brought the little you have to Jesus? Questions. So, they bring him the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus blesses them and he breaks them. Now understand, 
Five loaves, two fish, twelve disciples. Each disciple gets not even a half a bun. And each little fish, I think of a sardine, divided in three. And now they have to take that and break it and give it. Can't give the whole thing away, still need some more for the next person. So they have to, in faith, take the little they have and do an act of faith. Take the little we have and do an act of faith. Don't look at the multitude. Got two hands in front of me. Take the little I have and do an act of faith. 5,000 times. Take the little I have and do an act of faith. What did he tell me? Take this and feed the multitude. Take this and feed the multitude. Take this and feed the multitude. Five loaves, two small fish, but no, 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 no. Less than half a bun and one-third of a sardine. Take this and feed the multitude. And 5,000 times the lesson is repeated over and over and over and over again. So, many of you, this is what I'm supposed to say to you this morning, many of you have already been doing that, but you're underestimating the impact that what you're doing is having. You're saying, this is all I've got to give, so I give it. This is all I've got to give, so I give it. This is all I have to give, but I give it. Life has hit me, off to here, in debt, just, just trying to survive, but it's all that I have, and at your word, I'm giving it. And you're underestimating how powerful your faith is. And you're not going to realize until the whole thing is done that you've fed a multitude. And there wasn't lack, there was actually abundance. And then your potential cannot be overwhelmed by the magnitude of what you're called to do. Your potential is not defined by your size, numbers, strength, or resources. It's not defined at all. The only thing that defines your destiny is the word of the Lord and your faith response to take what little you have and respond in obedience to what he says to you. That's it. That's it. That's it. So what do you have? You ask the Holy Spirit. You're going to find out. What do you have? There's probably some emotional attachment to it because you think that if you use that little you have somehow, you're going to lack, you're going to die, you're going to be worse off. There's some emotional trust in that little thing you have because it's all you have. That's why it's, it's going to take faith to take that little you have. And second, you may not want to hear a word from the Lord because he might ask you to do something with the little you have. You feel very safe holding on to this little you have which isn't enough even for you. So you're actually afraid of where that will take you. But if you want to step into the abundance that God has, 
you need to take the little you have, have the word of the Lord, and respond in faith with the little you have. And every one of you can do this. You don't have to be one that can, like, see writing on the wall, hear loud voices from the heavens. You just ask God, show me the little I have and what I can do in obedience, and it'll come to you. It'll come to you just by something that stirs your heart with compassion, some thought that just comes into your mind, something you hear somebody says that grabs your attention. And if you are actually open, listening for him, I know you're going to speak to me somehow. And if I can't hear, you'll use a donkey, but you'll get it through to me. You will find the way to get it through to me. That's not the problem. So it'll come. It'll come if you're open to hear. If you're open to hear, if you're open for him to find a way to communicate to you, it will come. You don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to be able to prophesy to the wind. You don't, you, all you have to do is be a person that says, I'm open. And it will come to you. Okay? And you'll know what you have, and you will know what it is he's calling you to do. And you'll probably know because this little sign inside of, oh, he's calling me to do that. <laughs> The little thing you have might just simply be your pride. Could just simply be your kindness. Maybe all you have is something he spoke to you that you're just going to begin to speak over your life. It's all I got. I don't even have, all I have in that area is just what you spoke to me. So I'm now going to begin to speak it over my life. That's all I have. I have something you said. I'm going to begin to speak it. We're, we're, not, we're not talking super spiritual here. We're just talking something everybody can do. Unless you want to stay where you're at. And this congregation is not limited by its size, by its resources. The only thing that limit, would limit us is do we know how to put aside our independence and come together and as one heart and one mind hear the word of the Lord for the body? Are we willing to hear as a body all sense of more spiritual, less spiritual, more in tune, less in tune? Put it all aside. Are we willing to come together as a body? As a body. Here. So that maybe the person who speaks is the person you think is less spiritual, but because you're in tune, you can hear that was the word of the Lord. Because we're not listening to our opinions and we're not listening to our spirituality. We're here humbly to listen and hear the word of the Lord. But can we hear the word of the Lord? We're not limited by our, our resources, our size, or whatnot. It's just simply hearing the word of the Lord and being obedient to it. That opens the provisions of heaven. Are you with me? The poverty spirit is the widow captivated by her lack, by her debt, by her circumstances, it's the disciples, limited, captivated by how great the need is, how small the resources are. The answer wasn't money, and neither is it here. But I can tell you that giving is evidence of a people who are hearing and responding in faith. If you have a people who are not hearing and responding in faith, you can give till the cows come home, and God's going to keep a resistance in place. Because he's not interested in your money. He has lots of it. He's interested in your heart. People who hear the word of the Lord and respond in faith are rare. 
on this earth. That's why you're so special. That's why you're so special. That's why this place is so special. I actually believe I'm talking to people who, for the most part, I won't say everybody, but I would say for the most part, you already have the word in you, and you know I'm speaking to you what God's already saying. Hallelujah! So that's it. However, what God said to me is that there, with a poverty spirit, part of what locks people into a poverty spirit is shame. Where, you know, somehow I'm to blame for where I'm at. Somehow there must be something defective with me. Something there must be wrong. Somehow I must be missing God. Somehow I must not be spiritual enough. Somehow I must be paying my dues for the pad. Like, just shame. Somehow there must be something defective in me. And I'm just carrying this thing of shame. So I can't even see myself outside of where I'm at. I probably need deliverance as much as you do, but I believe that today deliverance is coming to the house from that shame. I believe deliverance is coming in a few other areas here in the future, but right now it's, it's coming in shame. So that shame is actually robbing you of seeing, first of all, how powerful you are already. It's withholding you from stepping in faith with authority and without apology into who it is God's called you to be. It's holding you back from using the little that you have. Some of you already know exactly what I'm talking about and exactly what God's calling you to do, but yet you get held back because it's just, I'm always going to be this way. God wants to set you free from that, loose you from it, and that deliverance is coming to the house today. I want you to break off whatever that is within my mindset that sees me somehow either to blame for my situation or defective and unable to change my situation, can't rise up in faith, can't step forward. Whether it's for you personally or whether it's for you as a body, sometimes you take on a body shame. Oh, we're just a small church. You know, look, look at those other churches. Look at the programs they have. Look at things, right? You take on a body shame. You hear what I'm saying, right? It's nice. I'd never invite anybody here. But, you know, I like it. You, t- you take on. I'm not talking down to you because I recognize that that thing wants to latch itself onto me. Weird thing. Maybe you guys experience it. When I go into the place of prayer, I become elevated into a completely different level in the Spirit. In that place, I have an authority. I have an honor. Without apology, I declare things that God has said. Then I step down into reality. (laughs) And I need the power to take that reality with me here. That's what it means, as in heaven, so on earth. So that I bring that reality into my present circumstance. I walk in that authority here. I walk in that honor here. That which I see I'm affecting in the heavenlies, I am actually affecting. Just by my walk and my obedience and my faithfulness to what God has called me to do. Some of you, you have sown in the place of prayer and you don't understand that when God says this church will affect nations, you're already doing it. And sometimes when you step into that place, 
Does anybody here carry a sense of calling, a sense of authority, a sense of influence that seems to be far beyond your present circumstances? Does anybody carry that? Does anybody carry that? Like, am I? Do you carry that? A, a sense that, and when you get into the spirit, when you get into worship, when you get, it, it kind of emerges, but it's almost like when you step out, it's like, I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want, I don't want to be presumptuous. Like, I'd be presumptuous to say, I, I'm going to walk in humility, which means I'm going to walk below my calling. All right. Hallelujah. Today he's going to break off that shame and that limitation. So if you need to go, you can go. If you want to come, you can come. I'm going to pray. So that's it.